You're listening to the Pastor Moats Podcast. All right, we're going to start a, a new lesson tonight and in our series, Striving Together, what teamwork looks like in the local church. And this one is Striving in Relationships, Romans chapter 12. If you want to turn there with me, Romans chapter 12. We'll begin reading in verse 9, Romans 12, beginning in verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, how are your relationships? Think about that. And just kind of do a little introspection this evening and, and uh, think about the different relationships in your life and think about how you're doing in this area. Because this particular passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 12, really there's 31 or 32 different exhortations here concerning uh, relationships and how you and I are to treat each other. And if you think about it, there's very few issues that have as much influence over your levels of contentment, stress, satisfaction, and joy as the issue of relationships. Now, things can be going bad at work and bad elsewhere, but if your relationships are good, at home, your relationships are good. At church, things are good. Uh, Contrary-wise, things can be going good at work and elsewhere, but if your relationships are not good at home and church and, and so on, then things are not going to be well with you. When relationships are not right, there's not going to be any contentment. When relationships are not right, the stress levels go up, right? When relationships are not right, there's really no satisfaction 
and there's really no joy. And so what we're talking about has a huge bearing uh, on our lives. And again, in these areas of contentment and stress and satisfaction and joy. And so relationships are the building blocks of life. The build, and God has designed it that way. And again, if relationships are not right, you're not going to have uh, fulfillment in your life because relationships are literally the building blocks of life. First of all, your relationship with the Lord has to be right. And if it's not right, then your relationship to others is not going to be right. Not going to be what it ought to be, what it could be and should be. But but relationships are literally the building blocks of life. God designed it that way, and so he tells us how to make them work. So when there are problems in relationships, what are we programmed to think? Just think about that. What are we what are we programmed to think when we have a problem in our relationship with someone? Mike? It certainly couldn't be mine. <laughs> you know? So that's what we think, right? It's it's the other person's fault, and they're just they're just nothing we can do about it. You know, if they would just straighten up, if they would just act right and do right, then everything would be okay. But even when the fault does lie uh, on the other person, if you will, there's always something we can do, always something that you and I can do to contribute to a relationship's success. And that's something you and I ought to think about. That's what God's Word teaches us. And so we, we can't ever get to the place of saying, you know what, it's, it's 100% on them. And when they, then I. Now, there's always something that we can contribute to a relationship's success. So let's think about this a little bit tonight. Striving in relationships. Number one, possessing the right character. If we don't have the right character, then obviously our relationships are going to suffer, and there's no doubt about that. Our personal character is key in building relationships. And if my personal character is not what it should be, whatever the relationships are that I have with others, those relationships are not going to be what they could be. And so verses 9 and 10 tell us that we should possess sincerity. Let me read those again. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. So in my life, and I'm talking about having the right character so that I can have the right kind of relationship to to others, number one, I need to possess sincerity. And there's no surprise to us that this all opens up with a discussion of love. And of course, this is talking about uh, agape love, which is not an emotion, 
but it is rather an act of sacrifice, right? And then we, it, within this passage also talks about uh, brotherly love, our word for Philadelphia, being fond of someone and devoted to someone. But it's no surprise that we're dealing with this matter of love when we're talking about relationships. So God's love reproduced in us is the great foundation, the great foundation for all healthy relationships. And if we don't have that, those relationships are not going to be what they ought to be. Brother Dunn, did you have something? Mm-hmm. No, the idea with that, we're going to cover it, but the idea with that is you esteem your brother or sister better than yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's the idea behind that. We're going to talk about that in just a minute here. But notice here, we're thinking about this uh, matter of having right character, okay? and the fact that we should possess sincerity. And so verse 9 says that our love is to be without dissimulation. Dissimulation is not a word we use very often, right? How many use that word today? Dissimulation, all right. (laughs) Did you use that? All right, very very good, very good. I'm not surprised. (laughs) But it's just a word that means without hypocrisy. That's what it means. Our love is supposed to be sincere and it's supposed to be genuine. That's the idea. And then verse 10, and this will follow up on what Brother Dunn was talking about here, it tells us what this sincere love looks like. So let me read that again. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. And there's that word Philadelphia, brotherly Love. That's a little different than agape love, which again is not an emotion, but it's a selfless, unselfish, it's a sacrificial love, it's an act of sacrifice. Now we find the word Philadelphia, brotherly love, and again, that means to be fond of one another and to be devoted to one another. Okay, so now we're getting a picture, a description of what this love Uh, really looks like this sincere love. So be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. So uh, I, I don't think of myself as above someone else. I would consider that person above myself. I would consider my brother or my sister in Christ above myself. We should never think more highly of ourselves than we ought. We're always to think of our brother and sister as above us, and that's what this is talking about. Warren Wiersbe, um, by the way, if you ever come across any of his commentaries, excellent commentaries, excellent commentaries. Uh, he, he wrote a series of commentaries called the B, B-E, not B-E-E but B-E-B series, and he Genesis through Revelation. And of course, after I bought all the individual books over the years, they put them all in two volumes. That's the way, for a, a, a 
greatly reduced price. That's all the way, the way it works. But anyway, if you ever come across those, are great commentaries. And uh, he, he gives some, some real practical, practical application to the Scriptures. Love is the circulatory system of the spiritual body which enables all the members to function in a healthy, harmonious way. And so, as Paul begins this discussion about love, uh, about relationships rather, he begins it with love because uh, it's, it's the key, if you will. It's, it's such a foundation in all of this, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love. Now that's another, we, we don't use the word unfeigned too much either, but again, that, that means sincere, without hypocrisy. Uh, genuine is the idea, as a synonym for that word. Unfeigned, sincere love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. And so uh, we have to possess this sincerity. So what is the sure proof of sincere love? What's the sure proof of sincere love? What do you think? Sacrifice, yeah, absolutely. And I would just put it this way, action, right? Action is the sincere proof. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but, that means strong contrast, in deed, through our actions and in truth, through sacrifice. Uh, through service and ministry to one another. So uh, it goes much deeper than just words. It has to show itself in action. So possessing the right kind of character. So number two, we should possess purity. We should possess purity. In fact, if you look at the second half of verse 9 there, it says, Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So not only is this to be a, a sincere, a, sin, there, a sincerity about my life, but a purity about my character. And this word abhor means to hate. It's just to eschew it, to stay away from it. It's something that I hate. And what is that? Well, I abhor evil. There's supposed to be a purity about my character. And on the positive side of things, what does it say? Cleave to, and that word means stick to, glue yourself to that which is good, that which is right. I would have you, Paul says this later on in the same, same book here in Romans. He said, I would have you wise unto that which is good, and simple concerning evil. That, that means not, don't even, I don't even want you to know about these things. They're, they're, they're rotten 
They're wicked. I don't, I don't even want you to know about those things, innocent toward those things. But I want you to be wise about things that are, that are good, things that are right, things, things that are, are pure and holy. And uh, of course, we don't, we could use many, many examples, but just think of, uh, of this truth. This is one truth right here. Paul said, I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Innocent when it comes to even knowing about these, these evil matters. And think what they're doing in our education system. You understand it is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The antithesis. I mean, it's, it's just the exact opposite of what the Scripture teaches. That's what's going on in the education system. Not just the education system in our country at large, abroad, but that's just one example uh, of where we have so, so strayed from the Word of God. Ungodly influences and unholy living bring harmful damage. There's no question about that, and sometimes death into life's relationships. And that's why we're told to pour that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be wise concerning that which is good and simple and innocent toward that which is evil. When tempted to sin, consider the cost to your relationships. And and that would be a wise thing for us to do. When you're tempted to sin, you better think beyond just that moment of time and just that particular circumstance. And you better think about what this is going to cost. In fact, Scripture says count the cost, right? Better think about what is this going to cost. Well, I'll tell you, this is going to cost you in, in in the realm of your relationships. There's no question about that. And I think if we stop sometime and consider the cost, count the cost, um, we'd say, you know what? Uh, I think I'll I think I'll leave that alone. That's not going to be worth it. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust, and we have this flesh, and it it lusts after the wrong things. It, it desires wrong things, and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And doesn't have to be a literal physical death, but it, there's a lot of, lot of different kinds of death, like a death to a relationship. How many relationships have been killed because of sin? And uh, so it's not worth it. Count the cost. On the other side, living a clean and holy life has countless advantages, and one of the greatest is the quality it brings to our relationships. And boy, there's no question about that. Possessing the right character, we should possess dependability. Let's look at verse 11 again. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not 
slothful, not lazy, but diligent and dependable in, in business. And uh, the, the business here is not just talking about our business out here, like I work at so-and-so place. This is talking about your spiritual business, okay? And it's talking about our business, our spiritual business in the church and among each other. And we're, we're supposed to be diligent and dependable. And that word business actually means with haste. It means speed, eagerness, and earnestness. And it's talking about how we serve and how we care for spiritual matters and care for one another. And uh, we're diligent, we're dependable, we're, we're eager, and we're earnest in our spiritual business in our spiritual ministry, in our spiritual service. Fervent in spirit, spirit, enthusiastic service. Fervent literally means hot. That's what it means, fervent. It means on fire, spiritually speaking, would be the opposite of, of just sort of, uh, you know, Non, nonchalant, just sort of apathetic and casual. No, that's just the opposite of that. Enthusiastic service, on fire spiritually. This is the way we serve each other and serve among one another. This is how we invest in relationships because they don't just happen by accident. They require hard work and disciplined living. That's if we're we can talk about any of our relationships, our, uh, our relationship to our spouse and with our children and among each other. These healthy, good relationships don't just happen by accident. We have to invest in these relationships. A lot of hard work and disciplined living. Again, uh, not slothful, <laughs> no, but, but fervent. And so we should possess dependability. There should be a diligence here. Relationships are built on trust. But it's hard to place your trust in someone who is undependable, right? And so we're to show ourselves faithful. We're to show ourselves dependable. And then we can build a relationship on that. Now, everyone wants, desires satisfying relationships, but those relationships only come when we're diligent and we're dependable. Again, they don't just happen by default. They don't just, just, just happen by happenstance. Take a, they take a lot of work and a lot of dependability, a lot of diligence. Verse 12, we should possess resiliency, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Resiliency, to be able to recoil or spring back into shape after bending, stretching, or being compressed. Have you ever, in the uh, context of a relationship, have you ever been stretched? Have you? Yeah. 
pressed or, or bent. Absolutely, we know, we know what we're talking about here. To be able to withstand or recover quickly from difficult conditions. That's the idea of being resilient. And so verse 12 points out these three ways, these three areas that of, of resilience that, that will actually build resilience into us. And it says rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. And uh, we, we always have this wonderful, blessed assurance of knowing God is in charge, right? We get, we're going to go through hard times, but we know God is in charge. We know He can be trusted. We know His promises are true. We know His presence is real. He's with us. We know He's working all things together for our good. If we're walking with Him, if, if, we're, if we're trying to serve Him, if we love Him, we know His way is perfect. Second Samuel 22, Psalm 18, both state that. His way is perfect, and He has a perfect plan for us. His thoughts to us are more than can be numbered, more than the sand of the sea. His thoughts to us are, are thoughts for good, the Scripture says, and not of evil. We know all these things. And so we can rejoice in hope, right? Even when we're going through a difficult time, this will build this resilience into us if, if we get a hold of this. And, and this is how we can rejoice uh, in all things at all times. We can rejoice in the Lord always because we know these truths and we know God is good and He's, He's good all the time and He's in control and all these things we know about God. So we can rejoice in this, this hope, this wonderful, uh, blessed assurance that we have. Patient in tribulation. The word patient means to stay under. It's talking about when a heavy load is, is on you, you don't buckle. You don't bend. You, you hold up. You bear up under that load. You shoulder the load. You don't cave in. You persevere. You endure. That'll make you resilient and steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, make you faithful and fruitful. When we are patient in tribulation, because we're rejoicing in this hope, we know who our God is. We know all of His promises. We know His presence. Israel, we, we know he's going to give us this expected end. We know he's working all things for our, all these things. And that builds this resilience, resiliency in us. And then continue in prayer. Boy, that'll build the resilience in your relationships. It'll keep you close to God and close to one another. Prayer will. And it'll call, cause the pressure to push you together rather than pulling you apart. And that's why it's so important to run to the Lord rather than run from the Lord when things get uh, hard and things get difficult. Prayer will cause the pressure to push you together rather than allowing that pressure to drive you 
apart. And so we've got to have the right character. That's where it begins. That's the first point, and that's all we'll see tonight. But that means when it comes to having the right kind of relationships, that's what we're talking about, striving in relationships, it begins with me because I have to have the right kind of character. Or regardless of what anyone else does, the relationship, they could try as hard as they possibly can. But if my character is deficient, if I'm not right, then the relationship is it's not going to be 100%. It's not going to be what it could be and, and what it should be. So this begins with each one of us individually. And then as each is right, and you have two people in a relationship, when each one is right, well, what a wonderful, wonderful relationship that is. And so possessing the right character, next week, Lord willing, we'll see practicing the right behavior. And we'll keep working our way down through uh, chapter 12. All right, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. For this time we've had together in your word tonight, I pray that you would use your word in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would cement these truths in our mind. Lord, that it begins with us. We can't have the right kind of relationships unless we have the right kind of character. And I pray that you would help us to, each one of us, to examine our relationships and to see where they can be improved, and to see where our character is deficient. And Lord, to get a a spiritual tune-up, to get a spiritual alignment tonight, to realize, Lord, that it begins with us if we're to have the right kind of relationship. So Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you for your word that keeps us in check, that uh, Lord, that, that always convicts us and points out where we need to uh, change. And I pray you'd use it in our hearts, and I pray you'd use it in our church. And Father, I pray you give us a sweet time of prayer together tonight. I thank you again for your people, and I thank you for this time you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen.